Well, hello and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is obviously Eddie Cohn, host, host creator of the Spiritual Spiral. My apologies for the delay in some podcasts. I It's been a few weeks, maybe not a few weeks, but at least a couple weeks since I last recorded a podcast. And my only excuse or reason really, I have been so absorbed in my record and mixing the album. Mixing is basically what an editor does in a movie. When a movie's being made, the director is often doing multiple takes from different angles. Often they're improvising, allowing the actors to sort of explore the script. And I, I think my brain actually works in a very similar way when it comes to music. I, I hear a lot of melodies inside my head be it guitar, piano, synthesizer. At some point, I do believe sometimes this, the way my brain works where I keep hearing melodies and harmonies can actually be a hindrance. There can be too much going on. And so mixing, very similarly to editing a movie, mixing is, is getting all the music, all the parts. And my songs, even though I'm a singer-songwriter, you know, my songs could be 100 to 150 tracks, which which is a lot. So mixing is is going through each track, finding a place for it. Does it even belong there? Making sure the drums sound as good as they can. Often, especially on this record, I have multiple vocal takes, harmonies. So I'm mixing the record with Kevin Penner, um, and it's just it's taking a long time. And I've got 10 songs, three of which still need a a little bit more instrumentation on them, but the other seven are done. So I've just been really absorbed in mixing this record the last couple weeks, hence no recording of podcasts. So I'm I'm happy to be back. I've got a lot on my mind. I think I'm actually going to record a few podcasts over the weekend. One One or two will only be for Patreon subscribers, which again, if you're if you're new to the show, I just released a Patreon. I'm probably going to edit it a little bit over the weekend. So there's there's content specifically just for subscribers. You can visit patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn and check it out. You can also visit my website, iameddiecohn.com. I'm writing articles for Medium. I just released a new one today or a few days ago, and I'm actually going to talk about that today. So you can find me on Medium as well. Uh, just type in my name. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, say hello. So yeah, all of that aside, I I have really thought about this word decency. And I wrote an article for Medium a couple days ago talking about what happened to decency. And I'm going to read a a little bit from the article, of course. Um, But again, you can check out the whole article on Medium. You know, I try to articulate as clear as possible. I don't think it's as salient as I want it to be. This idea that social media is corrupting humanity. And there's a fantastic movie that just came out called The Social Dilemma, so please check it out, where Tristan Harris and many other ex-Facebook, Google, Pinterest employees talk about the impact of social media. And, you know, I just bought a printer for $150 HP, and, and to be able to scan, print, fax for just $150 is amazing. I love my iPhone. I, I love technology. But there's something about 
possibly the combination of human nature, the ego wanting to be right, this this screen between, it's very similar to, to road rage. You know, people say things that they typically wouldn't say if they were next to somebody. You know, if somebody cuts you off while you're driving, you may give them the middle finger or call them an asshole or who knows what. But would you say those things if they were right in front of you? And I'd like to think the answer is no. And so Facebook and social media sort of produce this imaginary border where people feel like they can say anything. And because it's on a public forum where anybody can see it, the stakes are higher. So then people want to assume like they have everything together, like they're right, they're the best, they have all the answers. And then I just worry that that's primarily how people communicate now, especially now because of this pandemic. And and just me personally, before I get into my article, I've noticed that people don't in my opinion, even some of my friends don't communicate as thoughtfully as I would hope they would. I I can't begin to tell you how many times I make a phone call to people to say hello, and I get texts in return to sort of like, hey, how's it going? I saw you called. It's like, no, and I'll even say this on the voicemail, let's let's talk, and their response will be, oh, I never listened to your voicemail. There was a person that was going to work on my record, and I, I sent them we actually had a, a long phone call about it. And then I, we, we agreed on the financial terms, and I ended up sending him the song. Uh, a week or two went by, and I knew it was going to be time before he even looked at the song because he was working on some other projects. So I checked in just to see if, if he would get on to the song, and we talked a little bit more. And then a week went by, and I sent an email to check in, even a phone call to check in. And then I never heard from him again. This, this kind of stuff, I, I lost a job during the pandemic about four or five months ago through text. The employer didn't even call me to tell me I was furloughed and ultimately I lost my job. They told me through text. There's this level of maturity, decency, kindness. Social media is ripping that all to shreds. And it's funny, I, I even spoke to a, a, a yoga teacher, an older yoga teacher, and I haven't spoken to for quite a while. And this, not just with, with this person, but it, it happens kind of regularly. I'm in a conversation, asking them questions for the first 15, 20 minutes, checking in, wanting to know how they're doing. And it, like as clear as day, the conversation quickly comes to me where they'll ask me how I'm doing. And about a minute or two in when I'm talking about it, I can see that they're just not interested anymore. They're not paying attention. And so I I just, I turn it around and go back to them because I don't want to talk about myself to somebody who isn't really listening. And I see it all the time. And, you know, I think I'm relatively mentally stable, (laughs) thank goodness, but I can see why people feel lonely, insecure, depressed, because it feels like, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not speaking about some of my closest friends, but, you know, acquaintances, decent friends, I, I, can, I can't count on them to listen to me. Even just in my day-to-day life, people I work with, it, it feels like a lot of people just don't know how to listen anymore. 
So again, be sure to check out the movie The Social Dilemma on Netflix, ironically on Netflix. Um, it's a great, great watch. And I, I think I do, I feel like the answer is we ultimately, I, I almost feel like these, these platforms just need to be taken down. You know, I, I do get really worried about the election. You know, people are already predicting civil war, you know, and Trump is already saying that he's not going to go out of office before, uh, because he doesn't think the, the ballot uh, tabulations are going to be accurate. I'm just, I'm really concerned that people are incapable of listening big picture, thinking about the impact if, if Trump refuses to leave office, if he loses. It, it's just, it's sort of, and then we have these politicians in Washington who never came up with a second stimulus package. Like, and what's so frustrating to me about that is they're still getting paid. You know, to think the Republicans wanted $300 a week, the Democrats still wanted 600 To think that they couldn't compromise and just say, let's do $450. Instead, people have nothing. And politicians don't care because they're still getting paid. So that, to me, is symbolic of what is wrong. There is no compromise. There is no attempt to find a happy medium. And the medium here is so obvious. 300 600 half is 450 But the ego is so... People are so egocentric that the Democrats couldn't even relinquish the $600 and say, yeah, $450 is fine. The Republicans couldn't even relinquish, relinquish their ego and say, yeah, $450 is fine. They're too proud. It's, it's so frustrating. And this type of behavior is overwhelming our society right now. So it really inspired me to write this article for Medium. It's called, What Happened to Human Decency? I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about some of the reaction I got. So this article is called, What Happened to Human Decency? I won't read the whole thing, but I'm angry. Angry at the world we've become. The division, violence, mistrust, and manipulation is too much to bear. I guess I'm just tired of the robotic and tribal flow of our culture, the politics, the grandstanding, the know-it-alls, the daily vomiting on social media disguised as conversation while basic human decency is being ripped to shreds. I try to be hopeful. Of course, I see the brighter side, but when I go outside, I mostly see fear, anxiety, mistrust, and some apocalyptic version of California. It's too easy to blame Trump or blame politics. What's happening goes much deeper than a megalomaniac like Trump. What if he is simply a mirror of a me of a me first broken down culture where the most egregious, outlandish and over the top behavior is rewarded because of addictive technology and manipulative media conglomerates? Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Since the dawn of television, Americans have always had an obsession with the ridiculous and trivial. Jerry Springer, car chases, Paris Hilton, the National Enquirer, reality TV, and now Donald Trump. It's no shock that Trump won the election, since he's a reflection of a society where the loudest and most arrogant behavior wins out with likes, emojis, and our attention. He didn't create this petty world that you and I live in. He simply took advantage of it. 
And then I go on a little bit more about social media. Yeah, I don't necessarily blame Trump. And I think it's easy to just blame Trump. That's, it doesn't require any thought in my mind to just blame him. I think what's going on is so complicated. Everybody just wants to rush to judgment. There's so many multiple examples that I could give you where people don't want to think big picture. And it's very similar when it comes to social media. Think about a heroin addict or an alcoholic when you present to them that there's a problem. They don't see the problem because they're so in it that it feels normal to them. Most people are so addicted to technology, using it so rampantly, that they don't see the problem. But there's a reason why people can't sit still, listen, have conversations, hear other people's perspectives. And the media knows this, so they're actually presenting the same type of, uh, same type of inflammatory information. No longer is it about truth. No longer is it about having uh, having. Uh, no longer is it about finding happy mediums. It's about being as outlandish, over the top as possible. I think one one more point about my article, and then I'm going to play a clip from the Sam Harris show. What's so interesting to me also is is sometimes the response. You know, if by me saying that I'm angry or upset about what's going on, it's again, it's very easy for people to just rush to judgment and say, "Oh, I'm just an angry person." People that know me know that I'm not. It's possible for human beings to be both happy and angry because, of course, I experience those emotions almost daily. goes back and forth. But you stamp a, sim- a single emotion on somebody based on one article, and that's the problem. We, can, we think we know people based on uh, a single article, a single comment, so people will just blanket me as, oh, he just must be angry, he must be depressed. No, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm generally happy, but I'm concerned. To me, it does line up with our addiction towards technology. To me, the two go hand in hand. Everybody has an opinion. You have articles here, articles there that are saying the complete opposite. And I just, I don't know how we healthfully navigate a world where we no longer know what to believe. So there's a great um, podcast that just came out, Making Sense with Sam Harris, about uh, with, where he speaks with Tristan Harris. I'm going to play a clip where... Tristan talks about, and it's it's not easy to communicate. You know, I could tell even he has a hard time talking about it or figuring out how to exactly explain how technology and social media are are impacting the world. But it's Tristan trying to communicate the negativity of social media and how it's affecting our our country. To the the elevator pitch answer, what what is the problem? that we're going to unspool over the next hour or so. Well, it's funny because the film actually opens with that prompt, the blank stares of many technology insiders, including myself, because I think it's so hard to define exactly what this problem is. There's clearly a problem of incentives, but beneath that, there's a problem of what those incentives are doing and where the exact harms show up. 
And the way that we frame it in the film and in a big presentation we gave at the SF Jazz Center back in April 2019 to you know a bunch of the top technologists and, and people in the industry was to say that while we've all been looking out for the moment when AI would overwhelm human strengths and when we would get the singularity, when would AI take our jobs, when would it be smarter than humans, we missed this much, much earlier point when technology didn't overwhelm human strengths, but it undermined human weaknesses. And you can actually frame the cacophony of grievances and scandals and problems that we've seen in the tech industry from distraction to addiction to polarization to bullying, to harassment, to the breakdown of truth, all in terms of progressively hacking more and more of human vulnerabilities and weaknesses. So if we take it from the top, you know, our brain's short-term memory system have seven plus or minus two things that we can hold. When technology starts to overwhelm our short-term and working memory, we feel that as a problem called distraction. Oh my gosh, I can't remember what I was doing. I came here to open an email. I came here to go to Facebook to look something up, but now I got sucked down into something else. That's a problem of overwhelming the human limit uh, and weakness of just our, our working memory. When it overwhelms our dopamine systems and our reward systems, that we feel that is a problem called addiction. When it taps into and exploits our reliance on stopping cues, that at some point I will stop talking and that's a cue for you to keep going. When technology doesn't stop talking and it just gives you the infinite bottomless bowl, we feel that as a problem called addiction or addictive use. When technology exploits our social approval and giving us more and more social approval. We feel that as a problem called teen depression because suddenly children are dosed with social approval every few minutes and are hungry for more likes and comparing themselves in terms of the currency of likes. And when technology hacks the limits of our heuristics for determining what is true, for example, that that Twitter profile who just commented on your tweet five seconds ago, that photo looked pretty real. They've got a bio that seems pretty real. They've got 10,000 followers. We only have a few cues that we can use to discern what is real and bots and deepfakes, and I'm sure we'll get into GPT-3, actually overwhelm that human weakness. So we don't even know what's true. So I think that the main thing that we really want people to get is through a series of misaligned incentives, which we'll further get into, technology has overwhelmed and undermined human weaknesses. And many of the problems that we're seeing as separate are, are actually the same. And just one more thing on this analogy, it's kind of like, you know, collectively, this digital fallout of addiction, teen depression, and suicides, polarization, uh, breakdown of truth. We, we think of this as a collective digital fallout or a kind of climate change of culture that much like the you know oil extractive economy that we have been living in an extractive race for attention, there's only so much. When it starts running out, we have to start fracking your attention by splitting your attention into multiple streams. I want you watching an iPad and a phone and the television at the same time because that lets me triple the size of the attention economy. But that extractive race for attention creates this global climate change of culture. And much like climate change, it happens slowly, it happens gradually, it happens chronically. It's not this sudden immediate threat, it's this slow erosion of the social fabric. I guess I'll sort of close this podcast with that. It is, this is, it is such a slow erosion that people aren't even aware of it. And, you know, I talk about it. Some, I know sometimes it can feel very in this, sort of a, in, in this sort of voracious approach where it feels like it's all I think about or talk about. And it's really not in the sense that I live my life. I'm creative, teaching yoga, trying to make a living, see my friends. And there's a lot that I enjoy including my cats. But I do see this breaking down of basic humanity, communication, decency. And it's, fr it's frustrating. 
you know, I think we can do better. Or maybe we can't, you know. I, somebody asked me if I'm disappointed, my, my last guest, uh, Mackenzie, and, and sometimes I guess I am. I'm disappointed when I want to speak to somebody and all they can give me is, is a text message. I'm disappointed when I go out to dinner and I look around and, and I see people's faces just straight down to their phones. And I think we've all sort of been tricked or manipulated into these into thinking these devices are all improving our lives. And I think we've crossed the point, the tipping point, where I don't think that's the case anymore in so many regards. But I think I get annoyed and disappointed when I see these the basic ways in which we're meant to communicate, to feel, to experience human touch, relationships, teaching yoga. All of these things have been sort of ripped out from underneath us, and now I'm teaching yoga online, which isn't bad. It's not terrible to teach through Zoom. There's a lot of good that can come from that. I don't have to rely on studios now, but there is this human intrinsic quality that is just erased by having this screen in front of you in so many aspects of your life. I, I don't have the answer. You know, it's, it's frustrating. But I, I will leave you with the last paragraph or so that I, that I wrote um, for this piece for Medium. I, I write, Social media is the greatest disruptor of civilization, truth, and basic human decency. And the only way out of this mess is to realize that these platforms meant to create a community are producing the exact opposite effect. I see the allure. I crave dopamine and attention just like the rest of you. I want this post and all of my creative endeavors to be liked, but we have to do more than a tap tap here or a heart emoji there. We must break this cycle and figure out a way to rewire our civilization. The screaming irony is, thanks to the pandemic, we're even more reliant on tech for connection, but we must resist the temptation and convenience of technology. Instead of opening up Facebook or Instagram, pick up a book, call a friend, or walk to your neighbor's house and say hello. Send less texts and make an effort to pick up the phone with the intent to actually make a phone call. And for God's sakes, no more texts ever again that ask someone, how are you? We can do better than that. Yeah, I think that's the other thing I sort of realized over the years, how frustrating it was for me to get asked by people, how are you, through text. It's, and it's not that I'm needy or wanting uh, or I have these expectations. I just want normal human-to-human contact where people are actually listening and talking and thinking. And I don't see that happening. So, I really hope you appreciate today's episode. I think I'm going to record a few over the weekend also. Uh, I'm feeling very inspired. I'm thinking a lot. I think a couple of them are going to be subscriber-only episodes, but I'm going to sort it out over the weekend. If you enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes, give it a review, give it a five-star, share it with your friends, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, say hello. You can find me at IamEddieCone.com. You can support the show directly at patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. 
As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.